0: Here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. And let's get started, everybody. Um, Formally, hello. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. And for those of you listening in by phone, thank you for doing that. My name is Scott Grossberg. I'm one of the co-hosts for Keeping Your Blank Together in a Stressed World. And this is my co-host, Michelle Post. Hi, everybody uh and i don't mean to embarrass her but yesterday was michelle's birthday uh it was happy birthday michelle i'm sorry i wasn't there to celebrate with you
1: that's okay uh
0: michelle herself well let's get let's give michelle a little happy birthday (laughs) wave because you're all muted we're not going to sing and play with you oh thank you so you got happy birthday you got happy birthday uh, (laughs) waves uh by way of background for those of you who haven't joined before uh I have a website, thinkingmagically.com. If you want any additional background uh, on me, Michelle will introduce herself in a minute. I'm a uh, licensed, certified uh, life coach, hypnotherapist, Hō'oponopono practitioner. Um, trying to think what else? An NLP practitioner. Uh, I bring a lot of stuff to the table for you. Uh, I've got over 30 years as a trial lawyer, so. I know what it takes to have to be able to influence somebody like within seven seconds, forget this 30 second elevator pitch. My job has been for the last uh, three decades, learning to communicate rebodied language, get involved, create rapport and move people where they want to be. The beauty of this is I've stepped away from doing that type of work, uh, at least as a trial attorney and have brought those skills to you guys where my main uh, purpose at the moment is to help you create focus and move to a different level. With that, Michelle, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce yourself.
1: Okay. Is this better, Linda? Linda told me that it's hard to hear me, so you're just going to have to watch me hold this microphone. I'm a a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California, and I've been doing coaching with people nationally and internationally for non-mental health issues. And I would say... As I think, whether I'm operating as a therapist or a public speaker, I'm trying to move people from the place of detail. I have this one specific problem. Can you help me fix it? To a more global, uh, what is my meaning? What's my larger, big, hairy, audacious goal in life? And how can I get there? How can I reach a more sustained level of feeling like I'm operating from a peak performance place or a place of joy. And I think that's what I really try to do. I work with a lot of first time, I've never been in therapy types of people, and I always love when they want to continue on past the first initial, I had this problem. And thank you.
0: <laughs> what wonderful. So, let, let, let me give you some background uh, for those who haven't joined us before. Uh, And again, for those of you who are on the phone, um, thank you for joining us that way. Uh, All of this gets turned into a podcast, so you'll be able to play this back uh, in an audio manner anyway. And if we happen to show something or share something, I will at least, or Michelle will at least, describe it uh, visually for you. So that uh, if you're on the phone, you'll be able to, to glean it that way. This all arose... Uh, actually before we ever went into the craziness that we now see as the world. And Michelle and I were chatting about what's the best way that we can reach the most people. And Mm -hmm. what we wound up doing was coming up with a weekend uh, retreat, a virtual retreat because Michelle's in Florida now and Mm -hmm. I'm outside Los Angeles and we love working with each other and we we figured out we're going to come up with a virtual way to do this and then we kind of tapped Mike on the shoulder and said hey mike um,
1: uh-huh.
0: there's no way for us to be able to do this and keep our sanity Answer. while we ch- while we Check chat problems. and <laughs> one thing led to another so w- what what was originally called getting your shit together uh,
1: uh-huh. in one weekend
0: in in one weekend which is still which going is to happen retreat. which is still going to happen in july uh, I think it's the middle of July, and when all this craziness hit the fan, both Michelle and I kind of brainstormed and said, what can we do to help people now? Uh, my wife certainly chimed in, and she said, you guys need to just put together a podcast now, and I think, Michelle, we did this in an afternoon.
1: We did, and, and we've gotten better thanks to Scott's uh, ability to learn technology. I have to give him credit.
0: So so we're, we're getting there. And by the way, just as a quick side note, if you go to thinkingmagically.com, And if you're not already on our um, our mailing list, you'll see right at the beginning the the weekend listed, and you can put your email in there, and we'll at least give you updates when we get closer to the July event. Mm -hmm. Today, it's going to be something pretty interesting. So just as a quick resume of what we've had (laughs) happen, uh, we did our first show, and then we've had some guest speakers on for the last few weeks, and we've actually got some very interesting people coming up in the next few weeks, but today I wanted to do something special, and I wanted to make sure that you guys all had the most powerful tools that you could, and so our guest today is actually Michelle, Yay! and, and I, I, I say that, <laughs> I, I say that selfishly, um, <clears throat> excuse me, some of you heard this story, that in the midst of, again, all this craziness that's going on, Uh, One of my very dear friends uh, passed away in his sleep, and contemporary of mine, and hit me very hard. He and I have known each other, again, for decades. Uh, We were best men at each other's weddings. And while we're putting all this together, Michelle um, interceded, shall we say, and did a very brilliant job of grief therapy that I didn't even know I needed. And because she, she handles that as well. And with that, I said, you know what, Michelle, um, we need to talk to you. We, we need, because we've got people on this in various degrees of crisis and strife and stress. And I have, I, I have a personal belief that, frankly, the longer we're in, stay at home, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's a matter of grief, too. We've, we're grieving our old lifestyle. Uh, today, as a matter of fact, some of my coaching clients uh, reached out to me and I, I went through one of it. Michelle and I were brainstorming. And I said, Michelle, I've got somebody in despair today. That's mm-hmm. his word. He is depressed and in despair and has lost all hope. And by the way, this is a very well-known out there public speaker. Mm-hmm. This is getting to all of us and so i thought it might help all of us if if you don't mind to indulge me and let me interview michelle as if she was a guest and talk to her about her styles of working what she does her approach some workflows that you guys can take away from this and again for those of you who are with me this morning uh, for the shunyata code these all are these all work hand in hand as we as we progress forward You know, that's what I've been doing this week is literally talking people off a ledge that they've put themselves on arbitrarily. Uh, And we'll get to some of my concepts about it, I'm sure, as we talk about it. Michelle, what have you been finding with coaching clients this last week?
1: Oh, wow. Um, So my two primary people, well, I guess I have three crowds. I have the entrepreneur crowd. I have the healthcare worker crowd. And then I have the entertainment industry type crowd, which, you know, crosses over into both these yeah. days, taking care of <laughs> our health and, and entertainment and that kind of thing. So, by, by the
0: way, let me interdu- interrupt you here for a minute. Every yeah. single one of my friends in the entertainment industry and the clients that I have in the entertainment industry, every one of them is as out of work with one exception. Uh, right. And that's I'm working with a composer right now who's actually in post-production on film so it doesn't affect anything but everybody else
1: mm-hmm.
0: is like, what the hell just happened to my world? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: So I would say that people, people in general this week are just, uh, anxiety levels seem to be rising. I don't know how many of you on the call can relate to feeling stressed. When is this normal ever going to go back to the old way? When is the new normal going to happen? What will it look like? One of the comments that someone made to me is after all of this is over and we kind of have flattened the curve or gotten through it, will people hesitate to hug each other again? Is the handshake a thing of the past? And when we look at the effect of touch on brain chemistry, we may really get to a place where we're depriving ourselves of like the simple handshake. You know, how much that exchange, how much information that exchanges. Just from meeting somebody, and I think that's a valid concern. Is you know what what will happen with sporting events and our grocery stores? And I'm starting to see some of the cough screens go up at the at the different grocery stores.
0: Well, that kind of does away with my handshake interrupt that I use with my hypnosis clients, right? Yeah. I can't go out and do the pattern interrupt. Great.
1: (laughs) No. No yeah and how will that all work so I think anxiety levels continue to be high this week Um, I've had I do work with suicide and suicide intervention so I've seen some clients depression go up um, sense of hopelessness go up and it's concerning me I think that's the whole reason why Scott and I started talking is how how do we help people through this difficulty
0: You know, that, that's a good, actually, it's a good segue. Let me introduce our guest today. Um, <laughs> M- M- michelle Post, licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, and by the way, before we, Michelle, how can people actually reach you if reach they me? if they want to?
1: Mm-hmm. You can email me at michelle at It's my website. I have a few free tools on there. I have a burnout survey and a self-care plan and a couple of blog posts still up and going, but it's um, postinternationalinc.com. And then Michelle is M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. I I am a 2L Michelle. (laughs)
0: Uh, Actually, I'll use that as another segue. So thank you. What is burnout? And the reason I ask that is when I do my seminars, because I do mindfulness, I used to do mindfulness and meditation live events uh, for elected officials, public agencies, first responders. And, you know, right before, again, all this craziness took place, I was explaining to, to them that the World Health Organization has now come out with a new diagnosis called burnout. Uh, oh. <laughs> you can actually be diagnosed with burnout now. Uh, and so, Michelle, when you talk about the, the, the free resource, what, what exactly is burnout?
1: Burnout is a series of symptoms that you can have from Probably overwork, stress doesn't necessarily have to be connected with vicarious trauma or experiencing the trauma of another person, but it's often precipitated by trauma, um, either in yourself or being with other people in trauma. Sometimes in the literature, burnout gets interchanged with something called compassion fatigue, which is if you tend to be a helper in the world, you get tired from having to give all that compassion. Sometimes it's also interchanged with vicarious trauma. Um, There was a new term in healthcare called moral moral crisis, something of that nature, where the decisions that you're having to make are conflicting with your own ethics. So sometimes burnout can come from you're working for an organization and you're getting in behind the scenes and you're not liking decisions that are being made about how people are cared for. And, and then it creates this, this crisis. So when we're talking about layoffs or how last week I mentioned writing a, an angry letter to COVID-19 or the agencies or systems that have disappointed you during this time, because burnout can also come from just not liking the way the systems that you previously trusted are taking care of you or others during a difficult time. And I think we're seeing different countries handle this crisis So differently than our own, America is just a very different culture compared to some of the other democratic socialist countries that are out there, um, you know, and are making it easier for people to stay at home. Like we're being asked to stay at home, but people aren't necessarily given a way to make a living by staying at home and preventing the health uh, the health crisis.
0: So let let me let me ask, I, I think the underlying question. And that is uh, most of the people that I work with are very empathic. Uh, and, and it's a term that I use, meaning you're very, not only self-aware, uh, maybe on an maybe on an emotional, physiological level, not an awareness level. Uh, and, and how many of you, by show of hands, would say you're empathic? You're an empath.
1: Most um, of us,
0: okay. Most, uh, yeah, and, and I think most people are. By the way, those of you who are not, um, there's some there are some very interesting speakers in the world today who focus on empaths and being able to work with that. Heather Ashamara is actually one of uh, my favorite folks. And you know, th- how many of you before we did physical distancing uh, would actually prefer to bring your own car so that you could leave a party anytime that you want to? Oh yes. You know, how many how, how many yes. of you feel drained <laughs> when you're in? yes, yeah, So Alexander. You're an empath too, um, and, and you know when every time I used to hear the term empath, I'd go back to my Star Trek days, right? And <laughs> and what that means, and it's not that. And I think that as we empathic folks stay at home more, Michelle, yeah, there's nowhere for that empathy to yeah. release, and there's no way for us, we our coping mechanisms as empaths have changed. Mm-hmm. And so it's very interesting that you talk about compassion fatigue. I've never heard the term before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we've got some takeaways from this call. Mm-hmm. What are some things that we can do to uh, help with compassion fatigue and to help if we're empathic and, you know, if, if we work with first responders and they're already in the foxhole and I've said before, my first rule is don't jump in there with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, w- w- what are your solutions?
1: Well, I think it all depends on how woo-woo and uh, mystical we get. So I I will admit to you that I struggle. I don't know how many of you do. I have a side of me that's super skeptical and likes the research and likes the data and likes a good control group and a well-designed research study, longitudinal, right? And then I have this other side that's this, I don't understand, mystical... um, mystical coincidences, those kinds of things. And I would say the joining of the two a little bit is in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what I study. So in cognitive behavioral therapy, when people say, well, what's going on is just in your mind. What I like to say back is everything that's going on is in your mind because your nerve endings all connect up through your spine and feed up into your brain and your brain chemistry and what you think and how you feel is all in your mind, right? You will not feel pain if you do not have a functioning brain. So you also won't feel depression if you don't have a functioning brain. Like it's all, it's all connected. It doesn't mean you're crazy, but what we tell ourselves has a huge impact. So for instance, if I'm walking into a situation thinking I don't want to work with that person, they're so difficult, they make my life miserable. It's really hard. They, you know, they have all these, you know, demands on me when I go and try to do a workshop with them or perform or you know, meet them as a client. The likelihood that that session is going to be difficult, challenging, upsetting, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But If we go into a difficult situation and we look for what can I be grateful for, what what can be the learning lesson from this, what is a way that I can improve, like what is this person trying to teach me, then we can walk away feeling more empowered and we can walk away feeling more in control as opposed to the helpless victim of our circumstances, right? So same thing with COVID-19. I'm never gonna work again. Um, everybody's gonna die. Um, you know, we're never gonna shake hands again. When will we ever go to a live concert again? All of these fears about forever and never are in your head. And again, they can increase your sense of stress and anxiety. What we know about the body's reaction to stress and anxiety is it makes it difficult for you to deal with immunity to things and fight off diseases, stress. So, so what do you, what do you, suge-
0: what do you suggest here? I'll get some free therapy. What do you yeah. suggest <laughs> when, when someone like me, and by the way, we're, you know, this isn't to replace anything we're talking about here is not to replace what you actual might therapy. Get, Actual therapy. Actual coaching. <laughs> we're we're giving, we're giving you tools here that you can take away and, you know, do it yourself. So I'll use me as an example. I'm a big believer in in always going back and saying what do I know to be true. Now, I let that get away with me. So, so use me as an example today. For today, uh I had two two interactions remotely with uh people I work with on speaking live event gigs. Uh one of them wrote me and canceled. This was the the next domino right uh, canceled an August event and said we've canceled it entirely are you available in January of next year <laughs> o- okay that's okay. cool <laughs> but I've now got a. have got it now another cancellation right tens of thousands of dollars have gone away in yeah. speaking gigs just over this this time period another client actually a rather large event producer got a hold of me today and said I don't know what we're gonna be doing. I don't know how long this is gonna be in effect, but frankly, even when we come back, uh, right. we think people will have social distancing fears. And as a result of that, I'll send you a lunch invite so that we can sit down and talk about it. Are you available in November? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so now my stress level goes up to here, right? I'm not immune uh-huh. to this stuff. My stress level goes up to here saying, these are huge clients of mine who are now saying, how about November and January? Mm -hmm. I come to Michelle and I say, now what the hell do I do?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What do you, talk to me.
1: Um, Well, first of all, I would say, you know, well, hey, they scheduled you for November and January. That's not forever. That's not 5,000 years from now, right? So if we take it one day at a time then are there other opportunities where it's not about face-to-face that you can create you know when when have you done something else to get creative is this is this the time you know we all go through bear and bull markets not just in the stock market but we also go through it in our lives so what's your bear what's your bear move what's your bull move you know when you're being aggressive or you're being safe what does that look like And could we brainstorm what some of those slower moving um, building blocks are for you? Is it, you know, Scott, I know you, is it time for you to write another book? You know, (laughs) I know you really well.
0: You're now the the third person that has brought that up to me. Right.
1: right? And that's not because I'm psychic because we already decided that I'm a skeptic. So, you know, is this time for you to write a book? Is this time for you to create a new class? So you reach people online and you're not at the, you're not at the victim of. You're not waiting for someone else to hire you, but you're creating your own, your own work that's needed. If the if you get if you get really mystical, the universe knows you have skills to give. The universe knows you have a gift to give. What is it trying to tell? Challenge you to learn in a different form how to give this gift. That would be the mystical part of me.
0: I, I actually really love both of those, and you know I have. <laughs> I was a trial lawyer for three decades you want to see a bs filter i've got a bs filter you know <laughs> I've, I've just about seen it all and um i have coached periodically with we'll call them self-proclaimed world-famous psychics and you know what guys everybody is human just like everybody else and they they've all got their own thing their their own mess they bring to the table yeah. and I, but I really love what you just said, Michelle, because one of the things that I'm starting to see, particularly with those in the entertainment field, and I, I'm using that because they seem to be the most impacted, impacted by this on an emotional level because that's where they work from. Yeah. It's all creativity, right? Uh, as opposed to, you know, I've got a doctor that I'm, I'm working with and that's just pure financial stuff. That we're talking about. The doctors are very busy now, and it's really cool what they're doing. They're thinking about life in a different way. I've got, I've got people, folks, you know, buskers and and gig guys and public speakers who have no idea how they're going to pay the mortgage. They have no idea uh, what tomorrow is. They don't know if this is the new normal. They don't know if this is the new temporary. They don't know how to take the what you're saying, Michelle. Mm-hmm and reinvent themselves and i keep talking to them about pivoting mm-hmm. uh, and you know because if you don't do that you're at you're, you're literally like a rudderless ship mm-hmm. uh, um, amongst this storm that's going on and i still believe you're all going to be okay and yes we've got real stuff going on but mm-hmm. how how can we help the people on the call right now the people who are live with us on zoom to take that that Suggestion that you have of pivot, reinvent yourselves. Take this downtime, and in the face of fear, walk forward. You know, I, I love that song. Is it Manila mancha Of when you in the storm. I think it's Manila mancha
1: Might be. I don't. I don't know the musical well enough.
0: <laughs> um, but, I mean, do, any any thoughts on that? It's like how how do we help everybody on this call take a step forward tomorrow?
1: Okay. So, okay. Let's not talk about tomorrow. Let's talk about today. So Scott, when you and I were talking about putting, um, get your shit together in a weekend, we had both gone through a purging, right? Both of us were cleaning, cleaning out house. So I would venture to guess every one of us on this call has a drunk drawer. Okay. You have some drawer that has a bunch of crap in it that is like, not organized, just go find your junk drawer, like start there or start with your sock drawer, whatever it, like, do you really need 80 pairs of socks? You know, do you need that sock that has the hole in it? Do you need that, you know, pair of underwear where the string is basically falling off, you know, or, or your junk drawer, go organize it. There is such psychology behind when you organize your physical environment, what that does for your brain. And you could probably organize a a drunk drawer tonight in a half an hour, 45 minutes, right? You'll feel like I've done something. I did something I've been delaying because I was so busy before doing such important things that I didn't think that was important, but any way that you can downsize and clean up your physical environment is a part of physical self-care. Right?
0: I got to tell you, I'm going to, I've got to toot uh, Michelle's horn here. Sheesh. And I think I've said this before, but, she during my purging and, and when she means purging, we literally downsized. I told you I stepped away from being a trial lawyer. We downsized the house right before all of this happened. Uh, we're still moving in um <laughs> a, amongst all this and and Michelle picked okay. up and and did very similar things that we we may get to in one of these episodes and I was telling michelle i, I don 't know how to get rid of all. This. I cannot take the house we were in. Uh, because we, we've got a, a fair number of kids and the house oh, wow. we've moved from uh, literally uh, was six bedrooms and we've now downsized to it's just my wife and I uh-huh. and our two two furry friends and I, I you can't take that and move it into this and you said the most yeah. brilliant thing to me that I have shared with so many people and Michelle told me go take pictures yeah whatever you have that you don't need but you want to remember you've got a phone take a picture of it and i have shared this with so many people uh and it works beautifully
1: technique you know like nothing will make you hold on to stuff like a person who's died and has left you things and you just feel like you're dishonoring them if you get rid of that item so we learned in the grief world that if you take a picture of a bulky item that you don't want to hold on to like the gross you know old weathered I don't know chest you know that, that you're not going to make room for you just don't have room for but you can take a picture of it and you can um, write in your journal and then this would be that leads me to another thing. Um, Professor Pennebaker out of University of Texas I think Austin has done so much work on the power of writing and journaling. He took a group of men this is my skeptical side he took a group of men that had been suddenly laid off Okay, appropriate for our world today, assigned one group of men to writing about time management, another group of men to write about their feelings and emotions around losing their job and then had a control group where they just monitored the people over time and they weren't journaling at all. The men who wrote about the emotions of getting laid off were hired sooner than any of the other two people, other two groups. And another project that he did is he said for 15 to 20 minutes a day, he studied people longitudinally and for 15 to 20 minutes a day, they just did emotional timed release. So they set a timer for 15, 20 minutes, wrote, 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 no editing. Don't worry about your spelling. Don't, you know, just say whatever you want. Cuss if you need to get it out of you. Four days in a row led to a 45% decrease in medical services needed. In his uh, group that journaled about emotional processing, so get out a pen and a piece of paper and journal for 15 minutes when you get off this call. There's no reason not to do that. You have the time, and the emotional processing that you need will help get that out of your system.
0: Yeah, I got. You know, I'm a huge believer. Some of you have uh, read my some of my books, and I'm a huge believer in brain dumping right yeah, brain dump. um, and uh-huh. i i don't mean typing on your computer i mean a pen yeah. on a paper and getting it out of your head so that you're making space for more thoughts and, and if you have not done this and you know i know some of you on the call are, are really into technology and it's easy to use your phones now you know you can do you can do thought logs on these now
1: uh-huh. um, great. If,
0: for those of you into cbt and The reality is it doesn't replace the visceral feel of putting pen to paper Mm -hmm. putting a pencil to paper or in linda's Mm -hmm. your case putting a paintbrush to canvas it Uh doesn't replace that uh and it's almost like at least in my world you're wired for it um you know i carry around a moleskine uh, journal and it's, it's constantly mm-hmm. get it out, get it down, keep it there, you know, mm-hmm. come back and visit it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. too easy using technology to mm-hmm. type stuff into your laptop or type stuff into your, your tablet and then erase mm-hmm. it and overwrite it. Mm-hmm. And when you put it on paper, uh, it's there. Don't it's use different. a pencil and erase it though.
1: That was one of the other studies that they did is they looked at writing handwriting, Versus computer writing versus not journaling at all. And they did find that, you know, if you type on your phone or your app or in, it still has a positive effect over not journaling, but the pen and paper has more of an effect. I just like to remind people as much as I do believe in pen and paper, don't let that be an excuse. If you need to type on your phone or type in your memo section or type on your computer because you just don't have paper around or you just don't let that be an excuse for not journaling, right? Because we can make all kinds of excuses. Oh, my favorite journal isn't here. I can't write right now. So just get your excuses out of the way. But yes, handwriting is more effective in research studies than using a typewriter, but not journaling at all is the least effective.
0: And and I'm going to add one thing. We have about 15 minutes left and we'll still cover some more things, but I got to tell you, I I talk to a lot of people who have pushbacks on journaling. I don't want to write a diary. I don't want a dear diary. And at least for me, journaling can be a bunch of little catchphrases. Journaling can be stream of consciousness. Journaling can be automatic writing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I, I love when I ask people, and Michelle, you talked about it, sit down and write for 15 minutes, and then they stop writing after 30 seconds because they don't realize how hard it actually is, right? Yeah. And yeah, their yeah. brain pushes back, and I say, write some more, because it's the yeah. stuff at the end yes. that actually after has filters. more power.
1: Yeah. Yes. One of, our, one of my writing coaches taught, like, when you get stuck, pick any object. So, like, this is a coaster on, on my desk. If I were journaling and I got stuck, I might just shoot, I also have a can of Fresca next to me because I like that. So I might just start writing about what I notice about the object and then my unconscious will take me where I need to go. So you start right, oh, it's a square coaster. Oh, you know, uh, launching into 2020 and space. And, you know, and I might start writing about how square it is. And then it might lead me to, you know, sometimes I'm worried that I'm square. And I don't know why that's coming out right now, but sometimes I'm wor- I worry that I'm boring. I'm too boring. My partner's gonna not gonna find me interesting. My, you know, my friends aren't gonna wanna hang out with me for my birthday because they'll find me boring. So you, you get to the underlining fear that you need to work on just because I picked up my square coaster. It might be very different if I had my round coasters on. on but
0: it's, it's interesting that you say this because, you know, again, a lot of you know that I'm b- very deeply ingrained in the tarot world and the oracle card world and and symbolism and what that means to us uh, on an intuitive, emotional thinking and sensational level uh, using some of the, the union stuff. And I have, I'm going to now, brag about another person on the call Uh, I've been routinely using some of Linda's techniques uh, so thank you again Uh, if you have not heard our last episode you need to go listen to it about the art therapy that she was chatting about and I started as a result of what Linda had suggested creating what I'm I've told her this I've started calling viewing letters Uh, there are viewing rocks it's it's a Japanese cultural thing where you take up a rock that has some type of meaning to you beauty uh, and look to it and you view it the viewing rock and I started coming up with viewing letters that I've now created instead of handwriting a letter even though I'm already doing that as well as part of the postcard technique but I'm creating a viewing letter something that you look at well the interesting thing talking about journaling is I just did one to my younger self I wrote a viewing I created a viewing letter to the uh, little boy who used to hide under the bed and was afraid to come out and got picked on all the time. Uh, uh, and the symbolism that came out uh, was very deep. So thank you, Linda, uh, for that. Uh, and, I, and that's another way that you can journal with this and it creates all these symbols. Uh, it's very interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm real curious, Michelle, uh, in the time that we have left,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you and I've chatted a lot about being of service. And I know a lot of people talk about that. And I I won't go on my little high horse about what I'm seeing out there now. You know, everybody now is suddenly of service to everybody else. (laughs) You've been of service for a long time before any of this happened. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about what that means to you.
1: Well, I don't often share this, but in my 20s, I had um, sort of a near death experience. Like I didn't die Mm -hmm. and, and envisioned that I was dead, but I almost died. And my skeptic, my spiritual side would say that I, you know, I went through a classic bargaining. Like if I live through this, I want to make my, my, my life matter. And kind of had, I, I think sometimes that makes me work a little too hard in being of service because now I feel like I have this pledge that I've made to whatever higher being is out there. But for me, it was um, if I was going to make a living at something, I wanted to make a positive difference in the world. So I think, in general, my view is that people people want to be better. People are kind. Pe- most people are good people. I think not everybody is, but I want to be one of those people that um, when. When my life is over and I look back at it, I don't feel like I wasted it. I don't feel like I did nothing except serve myself. So being of that's service true. is everything from being kind to a friend, you know, even when I'm in a bad mood, right? Or at least, at minimum, telling my friend, I'm in a bad mood and this is not your fault, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> really important.
1: Sometimes I'm in a bad mood and I don't wanna be there for my friend. Um, so honesty, being there for people, um, to the best of my ability, I love that I'm a therapist. I love that I'm involved with people's personal growth. Well, that's I what I was going to ask you is,
0: do you love what you do?
1: I love what I do. I, I think it's the weirdest job I could ever get paid to do. I am like this little private part of all these people's lives. And, and then nobody knows me. Like it's, it's kind of a weird I don't know, 007 life. Like we have to hide from our clients when they see them and see them in public. So they get their privacy and all that stuff. But some of my clients are famous and I see them on TV or in the movies or, you know, I, and it's really odd. Cause I, I, you know, I have this thing like, oh, I know who this person really is outside of their character. And I'm so glad to see them being successful. And then, you know, privately, I can't share that with anybody. So that's kind of strange but I also like to do good volunteer work. My, my heart is with grieving children. I like grieving children is sort of where I give all my free time. Um, I volunteer at a grief camp. I like to do, I like to be of service in that way, but I've given money. Sometimes I don't have time. Sometimes I have more time than money, and sometimes I have more money than time. So in the, in the later, then I like to donate. I also do a lot of work with the Suicide Prevention Center, I had an uncle who died from suicide in my college years, and it greatly impacted me. And I think there's a lot more we can do to be compassionate with people who are depressed and dealing with suicide. And so let, and,
0: let, let, let me interrupt you here because that yeah. might be a good way for us. You know, I feel like we're on those TV shows where there's some suicide demon <laughs> at the end. They put, "Hi, if you have oh, a no. friend or loved one," <laughs> um, but you know, let's let's be very real with this. Yeah. I have no clue whether the people on this call or in this zoom meeting uh, are suicidal or, or who have suicidal ideations uh, who are, are depressed or anxious or whatever. Can you go through in the, in the time that we have left and explain the distinction between depression and, and and that, and I guess suicide because I I don't work with suicidal folks. Uh, I will, I will say, Hey, look, I, here's who you can call. Right. And what the tools are, if if we start to notice that, and some of our friends or loved ones who are either going through an illness, or who are going through just, their, they, they call it stir crazy. But, you, you know, um, mm-hmm. if you watch some of these videos that, that are on Facebook now, and on Instagram and YouTube, and it's I'm wondering what our kids are going to grow up to be I like, know. these, you know, my, I have grandkids, it's like, there's no way to explain to them driving up to the house so that we can give a birthday present to our granddaughter. And she looks at you. She's got a little mask on and my wife made yeah. them. She's got a little mask on and you can see in her eyes. It's like, why isn't grandma holding, hugging me?
1: Why isn't she hugging me? Yeah.
0: So, so I dep- I, I'd like to know if we could depression, suicide, and what do we do about it?
1: Okay. So there is situational depression, which I think, and, and anxiety, something in the diagnostic and statistic manual we would call an adjustment disorder with mixed mood or an adjustment disorder with depressed mood or anxious mood. Okay. A lot of people are going through that right now because the symptoms didn't exist before they went into quarantine, lost their job, whatever the situation was. Then there's depression that's lasting, global. Not only is the situation bad, I'm bad, everything I touch is ruined. Uh, the world is off an awful place. It's unsafe. So there's global depression, which is long-lasting. Probably existed before this, or maybe the person might be cycling back into it now that this stressor has come up. And depression is not just that I'm not good at this one thing. It's I'm not good at anything. I don't deserve love. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. It's very it's very all-encompassing, and. Depression is one thing but then there's severe depression which usually is signified by the crossover into not just I want to die or I wouldn't care if I got covid-19 or I wouldn't care if a bus came along and hit me but I want to die here's how I'm thinking about ending my life here's when I'm thinking about ending my life I you know and it stops being passive suicide and becomes active and if that's the case number one I hope you know that you there's a chat feature online through the National Suicide or National Lifeline. And there's also an 877 number that I'm hoping someone, someone will look up for me because I can't talk and look up things at the same time. But calling that line, programming it into your phone, making sure you have it for you or a friend or a colleague or a neighbor who mentions something that makes the spidey sense go off, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck where you're like, yeah. I'm not sure if this person's safe. And then the main major thing you could do is, hey, I hear you saying that you're sad, that you're feeling hopeless and helpless, and I'm wondering if you're thinking about suicide. You actually really need to ask and say the words, are you thinking of suicide? Is that okay
0: to do? I mean, it doesn't, see, I've, I've always wondered, um, yes. because periodically I will get someone who will contact me and, and they talk like that. Yes. And I've always wondered, uh, yes. do I use the S word?
1: Yes. Use the S word. (laughs) Yes. Use suicide. Are you thinking of killing yourself? Are you thinking of suicide? You don't say, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Because some people see that as overindulging in alcohol or taking risky behavior or cutting or things like that. But are you thinking of killing yourself and you have to secretly hope you have to secretly in your heart, not wish that the answer is no because I think people pick up on your hesitancy and they will tell you no because they can feel that you don't want them to say yes. So you have to be open to the answer being, yes, I am suicidal, and then have a couple of tools. So in the chat room, thank you, Linda, you're awesome. Um, and thank you, Alexander, for telling us you had to leave.
0: Yes. thank you. <laughs>
1: Um, so the 800-273-8255 is the National Suicide Prevention Line, or D.D. Uh, Hirsch's direct line is 877-7-CRISIS. So that's pretty easy to remember. D.D. Hirsch is the local suicide prevention center in Southern California. Uh, so having that number, you don't have to be the one that solves the this, this suicidal crisis for the person, but calling with them could be really helpful, or if you have the time and the capability Ask them to talk about what's got them thinking about wanting to die. That is the biggest thing that we can do is give people space and time to talk about why they're in this place. You know how when you have a big problem and you talk about it, it makes it feel easier you know, it doesn't become so daunting. And then usually the person themselves will start to say, but I'm not going to do anything because I really love my partner or I don't want to abandon my cats or, you know, my elderly neighbor, you know, people start to, or I love playing guitar. I don't want to give up playing guitar. So people will come up with their own reasons for wanting to live. And then you say to them, you know, well, it sounds like the part of you that, wants to die is is in danger of killing the part of you that wants to live and maybe we could get you connected to some help like have you talked to your doctor lately or let's call the hotline together or have you thought about seeing a therapist you don't have to be the person that solves the suicidal crisis but you want to ask when the spidey sense goes off are you thinking of suicide and then you want to connect to someone who can be of help those are the main things. I'm not going to teach you how to intervene like that, you know, but that's it. If we all did that, I think we'd see less, less suicidal uh, reactions.
0: That's very good. So I want to end this on an upbeat (laughs) (laughs) and, and and we've, we've gone through quite a journey, you and I just today, uh, with some phenomenal tools in here. I'm really curious, and I've never asked you this before, publicly or privately, Mm -hmm. what does Michelle Post do to find joy in life every day?
1: Oh, so much. I have a really rich self-care plan that is super passive and boring, like watching TV, and much more nature-oriented, like opening up the windows and listening to the sound of the wind in the trees, or putting, I have a pool, so putting my feet in the pool. I like the five senses in self-care, right? doing something I enjoy seeing, doing something I enjoy tasting, doing something I enjoy smelling. So good smells, aromatherapy, candles, um, things I like to feel like a soft blanket that I like to pet or or touch. I don't have a furry creature yet, but I will eventually get a dog. I'm I'm convinced of it. I'm almost ready. And, um, and then, you know, if you are at all secluded at home with someone that you love Are you, are you hugging? Are you sitting next to each other and getting important touch? So that's really important. That's a big part of my self care is that. And
0: um, do you you subscribe to to the love language?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So words of affirmation are my biggest one and then touch is my next one. Oh, and I'm really boring. Sometimes I like to do puzzles. And I like to cook, but I'm a better sous chef than I am a cook. Thank God my partner is a good cook. So I will chop and clean and he will do the the masterpiece. Um, There's a lot of things that I like to do for self-care that were limited. You know, can't go to the beach, can't hike, can't bike. Um, Walks around my neighborhood are still okay. So I enjoy that. But those things just help me feel like I'm still alive. Music is huge. I play music every day. Um, and I love a variety of music and will dance in my home. So those are some of the things that I like to do for joy and good time with friends. Right. Wonderful. Like love my time with Scott. <laughs> and you. seeing you again, Linda and Mike, I haven't met Daryl or Miguel yet. <laughs> it's
0: um, nice so you're part
1: of community. <laughs>
0: so we're, we're going to wrap this up now. And, and like I would with any other guest, um, again, how can people reach you?
1: Michelle at PostInternationalInc.com.
0: Michelle with two L's. Anything you want to leave everybody with? um, And and by the way, if you have a question, uh, we can stay on just a few minutes longer because I know, uh, Michelle, it's late for you there. Uh, (laughs) You could stick it in the chat room. Otherwise, I will bring this to a close. But Michelle, anything you want to leave everybody with? Some thought, concept?
1: Um, I love, yeah. So in have I done the movie, the quote from the movie Hugo on here yet? Because Oh, I haven't know. heard that. Okay. So I love in the movie Hugo, he has a quote and he says, um, machines never come with any extra parts. They always come with the exact amount that they need. So if the world is one big machine, I can't be an extra part. I have to be here for some reason. And that means that you have to be here for some reason too. And I like to think of all of us as Trying to figure out that right piece that fits, so that we could all work well as one big world. So I thank you for being on the call. Hopefully, hopefully you you know that you matter, and we're glad you're here.
0: Yes, and uh, I haven't seen any questions in here. You know how to get a hold of Michelle uh, next week. Uh, Michelle's going to actually interview me. I know. Well, this ought to be interesting. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so submit your questions ahead of time if, if you've got any. <laughs> uh, and then we've got some special guests after that. We're going to go back to the formal guest uh, format. If yeah. you believe that you would be a wonderful guest on the show, uh, please yeah, let us know. Yeah. If you have somebody you want to recommend, uh, please let us know. Uh, nobody is off limits. Uh, i got to tell you while, while, and I won't tell you who it was, but while we were ultimately declined, Uh, The invitation, just because of age and distance, um, Michelle challenged me for lack of a better way to get a hold of one of my heroes who I've periodically been in contact with. And I reached out and wrote to this gentleman. Uh, And in the midst of all this, he wrote back to me and we've exchanged some emails and, uh, again, books that have changed my life, by the way. And his comment to all of you, and I'll leave it at this, was... He, pref- he would prefer not to be interviewed because he would like to let his books, the truth of his books, tell their own story.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, with with that, I'm going to bring this to a close and ask that all of you let the truth of your own life tell their own story. Mm. And I really appreciate all of you being with us. Michelle, thank you for letting me interview you.
1: Ah, thank you, and Scott, for the opportunity.
0: <laughs> we will chat again, guys. Uh, this will be put up as a podcast likely tomorrow, and you'll be able to get that Uh through uh, our website there. You can find it by going to either thinkingmagically.com uh, or I'll post it through Facebook. And I believe every one of you is a friend of mine on Facebook as well as Michelle's. And we'll get it with there. And with that, guys, Yay. peace, be well. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only, and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.